I want to talk today uh, using as a subject the process of a dream. The process of a dream. Father, speak to us now, I pray. Uh, so clearly, I pray that this would be a moment of encouragement, a moment that would lift us up and uh, speak a tailor-made word to every person in this room, no matter the season they're in. Holy Spirit, you have that ability to take what I'm saying, to transform it, and to say what needs to be said. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Joseph had a dream. You can read about the life of Joseph from Genesis chapter 37 all the way to Genesis chapter 50. Uh, but for time's sake, I've got about 25 minutes. We're not going to do that today. But I encourage you to read your Bible, not just on Sundays, but read your Bible every day. And I encourage you to read about the life of Joseph because I, I really do think it'll speak to you. Uh, but Joseph has a dream, but he has a process that he has to walk through to get to his dream. And so my first point today is that he had to deal with the process of the pride, the pride. Joseph had pride in his life. Here's the context. Genesis 37. He comes to his brothers and he calls his father into a meeting and he goes, guys, I've got great news for you. <laughs> All the Christians already know where this is going. All the non-Christians are like, I don't know, but I'm excited. Okay, so uh, uh, Joseph calls his, his brothers together and his dad together and he goes, guys, I got great news. God gave me a dream. God gave me a vision. I'm so hyped. You're going to love it. And they said, oh, wow, what is it? And he goes, I had this dream that all of you guys were bowing down to me. Let's celebrate, you know. And uh, this did not go over well with his father or his brothers. The Bible actually says that his brothers hated him for two reasons. They hated him for his dream and for his words. And so we know that Joseph had a pride problem. And uh, you're going to have to deal with pride if you want to fulfill your dream. You're going to have to deal with pride if you ever want to do anything great for God and for the kingdom of God. See, Joseph had a dream and his spirit was able to receive it, but he wasn't quite ready for it yet. Look at this on the screen. The dream does not prove you're ready. The promise does not mean you're prepared. Some of y'all got a word from God, a dream from God, a vision from God, and you're expecting it to happen tomorrow. And God's saying, if I gave it to you too early, it would actually crush you instead of bless you. Or it would end with you and it wouldn't bless anybody else. And so God said, I have to do a deep work in you in order to do a great work through you. And so I'm going to give you a dream to ignite faith. I'm going to give you a vision to ignite hope. I'm going to put something down on the inside of you to fire you up. But it does not mean you're ready for it. The dream does not prove you're ready. But it does prove that you're ready to begin the process. Look at your neighbor say, I'm in process. I'm in process. Look at one more person say, I'm under construction. Can you tell them I'm under? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm under construction. See, at, at first, the dream was all about Joseph. Woohoo! People are going to bow down to me. I'm no longer going to be the youngest brother. My brothers are going to bow down to me. My dad's going to bow down to me. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to live my best life, and you're going to have to deal with it. But by the end of the process, it was about many people. Did you catch that in Genesis 50 verse 20? He said, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, so that many people could be saved, so that many people could live. See, your dream has very little to do with you, and it has everything to do with the influence God wants to give you to serve more people. 
God does not exalt you to exalt you. He exalts you so that you have influence to serve more, love more, help more, reach more, care for more. It has nothing to do with bigger homes or better cars or any of those things. God's not against any of that, but it's so much better bigger than that. It's so much bigger than anything that the American dream can offer you because the American dream is about you. God's dream is not only about you. It's about what he wants to do through you to help other people. Can you say amen? amen. So, so Joseph's dream was that many people would bow down to him. But God's dream was that many people would be saved. So we needed process. See, the process sanctifies the dream. The process baptizes the dream in the Holy Spirit. The process kills and then resurrects the dream. A dream without process is all about me, but a dream after process is all about people. So what is process? I'm glad you asked. Let me answer it. The process is any moment of discomfort that could cause you to quit but instead you press in. Ooh. This will change your life. Because what we, have, we, what we do in America is we face discomfort and we run. We, we, we don't buy chairs that are good for our back. We buy lazy boys. Come on, somebody. We buy beds that are comfortable. We should. We eat comfort food. <laughs> but the process is uncomfortable. The process is painful, but the process is working stuff out of you so that you can handle more pressure. The process is to your soul what the gym is to your muscles. God has to tear some things and break some things and mold some things and shape some things so that you're strong enough to handle the dream so the dream does not destroy you. You need the process, and though it is uncomfortable, it is needed. Stop running from discomfort. And by the way, it's not like when the dream is fulfilled it's going to be any easier. If you have a migraine after six hours of working at Starbucks, how do you believe you're going to be a millionaire? Oh, I said, I wrote down Susie, and her name was Susan, and she yelled at me, and now I have a pain over my left eye. I just need to go to sleep. No, you don't need a nap. You need process. You need discomfort. You need a mean boss. You need your spouse to act up once in a while because God's actually working on you in the discomfort. I see you. One husband's like, see, baby, that's why I had to forget our anniversary. God's working on you, girl. <laughs> but it's actually in the discomfort. And if you choose not to quit in it and you choose to lean in, you'll fulfill the dream. 99% of the reason I am where I am today is because I just didn't quit. It hurt, and I just kept going. I was offended, I just kept going. I was mad, I just kept going. I wanted to run, I just kept going. I just wanted to be one of those YouTube Christians that only worships on YouTube and, and, and hates people, but I just kept going. I wanted to be one of those weird, mean Christians that gets on Facebook and criticizes people, but instead I just kept going. I just chose not to quit. And listen to me, friend. If you don't quit, you win. Yes. 
I'm talking to somebody who is on the verge of quitting, and in the name of Jesus, I command you in the name of Jesus, do not quit. Do not give up hope. I command strength to fill your soul once again. If you won't quit, you will win. Come on, praise God like he's doing something in your life right now. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. There is too much on the other side of the process for me to quit right now. But I know that in the pain, God's working out the pride. So I'm going to lean in, and I'm going to press in, and my flesh wants to run. But something in my spirit says, hold on. It's the pride, and God wants to work out the pride in you. So it's not all about you, but it's about what God wants to do through you. Number two, we will have to face the pit. So Joseph has this dream of elevation. He has this dream of altitude. He has this dream of going higher. He has this dream of exaltation. He has this dream that he's going from one level to the next level. He's going from glory to glory. Because that's what the Bible says. The Bible says we're going from faith to faith, glory to glory, strength to strength. But, but if, you, if you really read the Bible and you read, at it, read it in full context, you'll find out that usually it's from glory to Glory. <laughs> Has anybody lived long enough to know that? It's, for, it's not from strength to strength. It's from strength <laughs> to strength. Come on, somebody. Has anybody lived long enough to know that it's not just from faith to faith? It's not just a step. One person said, there's no elevator in the kingdom. You got to take the stairs. I'm like, what are you living in? It's more like a crazy, jagged mountain. And sometimes you got to go lower before you go higher. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to pay you after service for that encouragement. See, because, because, because he has a vision of elevation, but he goes into a pit. <laughs> it was the exact opposite circumstance to the dream God gave him. But hear me, friend, I got good news for you. If you can trust God in the pit, I believe you'll honor God in the palace. But if you can't trust God in the pit, you will not honor God in the... See, if you're mean broke, why would you be nice rich? If, if, you're, mean, if you're mean right now to the people that you work with, why would God make you the manager? Some of y'all walk in a, into work every day late going, I could run this place better. <laughs> if you're supposed to be there at 8, you don't get to walk in at 8.15 and criticize your boss. Walking in talking about traffic with your Starbucks in hand. Oh, it's the traffic. Oh, oh it's the, oh, oh. <laughs> ah. Do you know that person? All of a sudden, they get frantic when they get confronted. At first, they just walk in, and then you go, hey, why were you like, oh, yeah, it was just, oh, yeah, it was just, oh, yeah, stop it. If you can't be faithful in the pit, why would God elevate you? God was saying, Joseph, can I trust you down there? Because I believe if I can trust you down there, I can trust you up here. But I got to see how you act. See, if you're a terrible friend, you're going to be a terrible spouse. If you're a gossip, Always tearing down your friends and a, and a sarcastic person. Why would God give you a better spouse? Why, why, would, God, why would God give someone for you to torture? 
And I know this hurts. But if you're not faithful in the season you're in, why would God give you elevation? So Jesus said it like this, be faithful with the little. But we don't like little. We like much. But he said, if you're not faithful with the little, you won't be ruler over much. What you're doing now is a snapshot of what you would do then. Oh, I'd tithe if I made more money. No, you wouldn't because you don't tithe now. That's nothing personal. I'm just saying it. It's just true. I'd love to give it an offering preacher. I just can't afford it. But you won't be able to afford it then. You just won't because... (laughs) Ah, I see 11.45. Ah, we're going crazy. Because... Because the reality is, if you don't learn how to steward the little, you ain't going to know how to steward the much. It's the pit, friend. And some of you feel like you're in a pit, and you must learn to trust God in the pit. Joseph was faithful in the pit, and he knew he would be faithful. God knew he would be faithful in the palace. Look at this, John chapter 12. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, not dead to God, dead to the world. Not dead to God, dead to your haters. Not dead to God, but maybe dead to your own expectations. Not dead to God, but maybe dead to people's uh, expectations of you. Not dead to God, but maybe dead of the original plan and purpose that you had. But he says, if you're dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried... It sprouts up, it reproduces itself many times over in the same way anyone who holds on to this life just as it is destroys that life. But if you will let go, oh, listen to the words of Jesus, friend. If you will let go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal life. Friend, a seed is no good outside of the ground. But you put that seed in the ground. And that thing will first die, and then it will break open, and then it will multiply. And and it's painful, but it's powerful. It hurts, but it's necessary. It's frustrating, but it's the walk of faith. You have to be able to let God put you underground. And friend, by the way, powerful things happen in the dark. Resurrection happens in the dark. Multiplication happens in the dark. Growth happens in the dark. And you might feel like you're in the dark, but I've come to tell somebody you are not buried, you are planted. Joseph was buried by his brothers, but he was planted by God. Forgotten by his brothers, but remembered by God. Hated by his brothers, but loved by his God. And friend, I know you might feel like you're in a pit. You might feel like you're in a dark place. You might feel like you cannot see the hand that is in front of you. But I promise you, God sees you. God knows you. And God is growing you in the dark. So worship in the dark. Pray in the dark. Clap in the dark. Shout in the dark. Serve in the dark fast in the dark. Read the Bible in the dark. Thrive in the dark because I'm growing in the dark. I'm getting stronger in the dark. I'm getting better in the dark. I'm getting stronger in the dark. I'm growing in the and you may not see it and I may not feel it but God knows what he's doing. I'm getting bigger. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better. 
But it's in the dark. But I'm not buried, I'm planted. God is preparing you for what he has prepared for you. Don't hate the process. Don't curse the process. Thank God for the process because he's shaping you and doing something deep in you so he can do something big through you. Number three. Number three is the prison. There's the pride, there's the pit, but there's the prison. See, the pit, the pit prepared Joseph. But the prison was preparing Joseph's audience. It was in the pit that God was working on Joseph's heart, but it was in the prison that God was working on Joseph's audience. See, for some of you, the reason the dream hasn't come to pass, you're actually ready. But your surroundings aren't ready. The people aren't ready for you yet. (laughs) See, because Joseph was actually the answer to Pharaoh's dream. Some of y'all, you're single. You are the answer to, you are someone's dream girl. He's just not ready for you yet, boo boo. (laughs) You're ready. But he ain't ready. I don't think you're ready. What? What are we talking about? You're ready, sir, but she's not ready. Your your heart's right, but the situation isn't yet prepared. See, Joseph got prepared in the pit, but now he's in a prison. Why is he in a prison? He's in a prison because he was serving a man named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife got the hots for him and tried to sleep with him, and Joseph didn't do it because Joseph had integrity because integrity is only something you can learn in the pit. So... And so he learns integrity in the pit. And now when the woman tries to sleep with him, he wouldn't do it. So she says, he raped me. So he gets thrown in prison. But see, she thought she put him in prison. But it was actually God who put him in prison. Because God needed him in prison to connect with a person that would connect him to Pharaoh. I got good news for any person who has been hurt by another person. It was actually the pain that has brought you to the place you're at to see the fulfillment of your dream. And they meant it for evil. But God meant it for your good. That's why you can forgive those who hurt you. Pray for those who persecute you. That's why you can love your enemy or your frenemy. The reason you can love them is because though they hated you, they were actually used by the hand of God to elevate you. And every time they try to tear you down, God lifts you up. Every time they try to curse you, God blesses you. Every time they try to destroy you, God strengthens you. So hug a hater because a hater has actually moved you right into where you're supposed to be. Somebody shout. Come on, somebody. They 
Thank you for not believing in me. Thank you for lying on me. Thank you for cursing me. Thank you for telling me I'm never going to make it. Thank you for telling me I'm never going to amount to nothing. Thank you for telling me I'm going to be just like my brother or my daddy or my uncle. Thank you for the curses you tried to say over me. Because the Bible says that whatever you try to curse, God is already blessed. And whatever God is blessed, no man can curse. Whatever the thief steals from you, they've got to pay it back sevenfold. (laughs) So I love my enemies. You hurt me, but you put me on my knees. You broke my heart, but you put me on my face. You disappointed me, but you taught me to pray. (laughs) I didn't think it was going to go down like that, but you taught me to fast. I didn't know it was going to end like that, but you taught me how to seek God like never before. So I love you, and I forgive you, and I honor you, and I thank God for you because I am where I am because of you. Joseph needed a Potiphar's wife because he needed to be in that prison because he needed to meet what the Bible says in the old King James, a butler and a baker. And every dreamer needs two people. My pastor told me this, Jensen Franklin. He said, Jabin, every dreamer needs two people. You need a butler and you need a baker. A butler opens doors. A butler gives you access. A butler makes introductions. A butler can take you places that you cannot go without their permission. They're a door opener for you. I have butlers in my life. People that God has strategically used to take me from one level to another who God has strategically used to open doors for me that I could not have opened on my own, that have made introductions that I could not have made on my own. They're butlers. And you need butlers in your life. But sometimes you only meet them in prison. (laughs) You only meet them when your hands are tied. When you have no other option and you look up and there they are. And it seems like the wrong person in the wrong place at the wrong time, but it's actually the right person in the right place at the right time. And then number two, you need a baker. What does a baker do? A baker takes some eggs and takes some flour and takes some sugar and takes some butter and they put it all together and they make something beautiful out of many different ingredients. You need a mentor. You need someone that can pull your life together and can help you. I know you call me pastor, but I'm really baker. I'm Baker Jabin because it's my job to go, oop, rain in that control. You need to relax a little bit. Okay, a lot of attitude. Well, we need a little less of that. Oh, how about a little more love in this cake? Amen. And Jesus said, how about you forgive right there? And, and it's my job to bring you together. And it might hurt while you're being formed, but you come out a masterpiece. So you need a baker in your life that can help bring you together, can help coach you and teach you and mentor you and say, I would do it this way. I wouldn't do it this way. I would try this. I wouldn't try that. Maybe don't do that next time. You need, you need coaches in your life. You need a baker in your life that can help you come together. And the Bible says that in prison, those two men had dreams and Joseph interpreted their dreams. They both get released and they end up speaking with the most powerful man in the world, the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh begins to have dreams. And no one can interpret the dreams. We can have the keys come up. No one can interpret those dreams. And they look at themselves and they go, wait a minute, we know a man. His name is Joseph. He's in prison. He can interpret dreams because he did it for us. And so Pharaoh says, call him. And he goes from a pit 
to a Potiphar's wife, to a prison, to a seat at the table in the palace. And this whole process took about 13 years. And I know that seems maybe like a long time. But it's actually not that long. What, what could God do in your life in the next year, two years, three years, five years, six years, eight years, 10 years, 20 years? Where, where could you be? Where could you be in the next year? Where could you be in the next? And now he's standing in front of the Pharaoh. He interprets the dream. And he goes from being a slave to being second in command. Because <laughs> he didn't quit. Because he said yes to process. Because when he wanted to run, he dug his heels in and said, I'm not going anywhere. Because he was faithful in the pit and he was faithful with Potiphar and he was faithful in the prison and now he was being able to be faithful in the palace. So when we think of the palace, right, we think of influence and abundance and all that prosperity, money, dreams fulfilled, a dream come true, all of that's true. And it's all a part of your destiny. Because Jesus came to give an abundant life, John 10, 10. Um, So that's a part of the blessing. But the palace is also the place of responsibility. It's the place of integrity. It's the place of humility. It's the place where every decision matters. See, Joseph let God do such a deep work in him. That he could now look at his brothers in Genesis 49. His brothers sold him off about 13 years earlier and he had not seen them. And actually when they came in, he didn't recognize them at first. And they didn't recognize him because he was now like an Egyptian. He had the shaved head and the makeup. and He didn't look anything like them. And he didn't recognize them at first. But then he finally sees them and recognizes them. And the Bible says this, Genesis 49. The Bible says that he saw his brothers. He recognized them. Because there was a famine in the land and they needed food. And the Bible says that he looked at his brothers. I want you to catch this. And the Bible says he remembered. Watch me. He didn't remember the pain. He didn't remember the hate. He didn't remember the jealousy. He didn't remember the evil. He didn't remember all the terrible things they did to him. The Bible says it's Genesis 49. And Joseph remembered the dream. Because you can get to a point where you don't live bound by the memories of what they did to you. You live anchored by the promise God gave to you. Yeah, you hurt me, but I remember the dream. You wounded me, but I remember the dream. And by the way, what you meant for my evil, what you meant for my destruction, what you meant to harm me, put that up, Genesis 50, verse 20, what you meant to destroy me, God meant for my good. So I love you. I forgive you. I honor you. Because though you tried to destroy me, you were just a pawn in the hand of the Almighty. 
And I refuse to hate you with the hatred that you hate me. And I refuse to live in bitterness. See, this is such a big key. This is such a big key, especially in America, because in America, we have this, I'm going to prove you wrong spirit. I'm going to let all my haters know. <laughs> and I'm going to prove you wrong. You walked out on me, I'm going to prove you wrong. You hurt me, I'm going to prove you wrong. Dad, you didn't believe in, you, you didn't believe in me, I'm going to prove you wrong. Pastor, church, organized religion, you hurt me, I'm going to prove you wrong. I don't need any of it. Teacher, you curse me, I'm going to prove you wrong. And we live this whole thing and it's glamorized in our culture to prove people wrong for not believing in you. And it's sick. And here's why it's sick, because it'll make you sick. Because it's a monster whose appetite can never be satisfied. And it doesn't matter how much you win, it's never enough. And it's never enough because they have a small spirit. And you are trying to get them to see something they cannot see. See, if they can't see you in your greatness, it's because they never were able to see you in your smallness. See, if they couldn't see your potential... They can't see you in your palace. And now you're trying to get them to give approval to you now that you're at the top. But you don't need it. And you never needed it. And that was the whole point. Joseph never demanded an apology from his brothers or his father. Joseph remembered the dream. You don't have to live your whole life trying to prove that you're significant, prove that you're talented, prove that you're good enough, prove that, you're, that you've achieved, prove that because it, it'll never be enough. This is why whenever Jesus started his ministry, before he healed the sick, before he preached, before he raised the dead, before he multiplied food, before he did anything, the father said, hey, this is my son. And I am well pleased. But he hasn't done anything he doesn't need to. So I live from approval, not for it. And I live from it, from God, not for you. See, because if I live with that, if I live with that, if I... Jabe and Chavez live with that. You know what I'll do? I'll make you and I'll demand approval from you because of a wound that I have from the past. And I'll end up beating up the people I love the most. Trying to get approval from a person I don't even know anymore. And you know what? You'll do the same thing to your spouse. And you'll do the same thing to your kids. And you'll do the same thing to your coworkers. You will demand approval from them that they actually can't even give you because you were designed to get it from God. But if I live in a, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, you know what I'll do? I'll love you. I'll feed you. I'll help you. I'll encourage you. I'll shape you. I'll correct you. But I'll never need your approval. So God wants to heal that in you. 
so that when you dream and you see the fulfillment of the dream, you don't have to say, I told you so. You can say, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory.